Hi, everyone. It's Mark Stenson, and you've come to the podcast Unlocking Your World of Creativity. This is the podcast where we talk to creative talent all over the world. We get their original thinking and their creative inspiration, and of course, how they made the connections and created opportunities to get their creative work out into the world. And today, we just have a real treat talking with Jonathan Nazario. Jonathan is the author of a new book called Society. But even more, he is a 17-year-old author. He's published this book in the self-help genre. Nice to be here. I'm really happy that we actually got this to work. Unlocking your world of creativity with Mark Stinson. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get our book, A World of Creativity. Paperback is at a special price of $5.98, and the Kindle version is only $0.99. Go to my website, mark-stinson.com. The book is featured on the homepage. You can click it and go to Amazon, mark-stinson.com, and enjoy the book. Jonathan Nazario, so great to talk to you. Glad to have you on the program. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. So we're going to learn a lot about where Jonathan's inspiration and creativity comes from, but also how he self-published this book and and shared it with the world. Jonathan, the obvious question on everyone's mind is tell us about a 17-year-old author writing a self-help book that also has a philosophical mix. Uh, What was the source of all this great thinking? Okay, that's a loaded question. If you want the story that I give my parents and that I mostly give everyone, it one day wasn't here. The next day it was on Amazon. They found out three days later. I just worked on my own and did whatever. But I knew that I wanted to do something, more or less. And I know that I wanted to work at, I know I didn't really particularly wanted to work at the Papa John's or that sort of nine to five-esque job directly as a part-timer in high school. So I'm like, I have ideas in my head. And I look at the world analytically and take a look around. So maybe I can learn some lessons just from people and their everyday habits and just write them down and take a look at what I already know and see if that's going to help anyone else. Because some things may come easily to me that I know definitely don't come as simple to others. Mm -hmm. And were these formal interviews or were they simply observations? Um, I would say some of them were on social experiments. Um, There were slight interviews, nothing that is completely professional because I was kind of time limited. And this is my first project that I would say. Um, So no, it's mostly informal products. Mm -hmm. All right, great. The subtitle, the title of your book, Society, but the subtitle is very great too, The World in Which We Live. And I guess now that you've said about these observations, you were sort of looking at the world, processing how we live in it. What were some of those observations? Okay, some of them would be the fact that most people are two-faced and that they always will say something to you, but they'll always have a separate thing thinking about you behind their back, whether that be about go and get doing that thing that you really wanted to do, go and work out or do whatever. But then when they see you making progress and they see you starting that, they're going to get all defensive more or less and then start to push you away from that because you're starting to overtake them in their progress and people's ideas of um, defining people. So I personally am considered smart. I consider myself lazy. They're two sides to the same coin because more or less, the word root is the same. Yet the connotation that we put as humans behind that word is different. So it takes a lot sometimes to understand what certain people are saying because everything is good and bad inherently. 
and that in order to get anything in this world, you need to put something down and you need to give it away. And that's something that's not always considered because there's people that speak of win-win situations and um, win-lose situations and that type of stuff. But that's all relative to the value of yourself. So when you start to understand the value of yourself, potentially with self-confidence, you can understand what your next move needs to be in order to keep moving forward, if you will. Mm -hmm. This is going to sound like a therapist question, and it's not really meant to be. But how did you process that kind of observation? You say, hey, these two-faced people are people that compare themselves to what someone else is doing. Why was it important for you to capture and relate those kind of observations? So one of the things that kind of started up is, I would say about a year ago or a year and a half ago, I happened to just get into watching motivational videos and I started to find certain trends within them. And I started to find certain speakers that however long they've been speaking, they've only talked about one event. Now that's great in my, in my, in anyone's opinion. Yeah, it's good. But if you keep your career updated with new events that you can speak about, you can prove your concepts and principles rather than just one off chance events. And then that led me thinking, what can I see in my everyday life? So an example here, I'm not going to go too far into it was I was trying to get my motorcycle license. When I was doing that, I was questioning the, I was looking at what the instructors were doing and they had an inside loop and an outside loop. Now in America, you don't need a motorcycle license in quotes without to ride a motorcycle. So they knew if they put the outside, if they knew put the people that have already ridden on the outside, they're going to go faster and not be interrupted by the ones on the inside that actually need the help and that need the practice since it's going to be one of their first times on the motorcycle. Now, most people would just see that as blind luck. But then when you take a look at it and you realize how long they've been doing their job, the subtle changes that people make when they're professional and they're in their job, you can really start to take those concepts and apply them and expand them to life. Let's talk a little bit about the creative process and writing the book. You were talking about the the time it took you to capture all this. Were you keeping this like a journal or were you organizing this chapter by chapter? What was your approach to actually crafting the manuscript? To crafting the manuscript. First thing I kind of did when I started to realize that writing wasn't necessarily just going to happen overnight, if you will, was I started to build my, my writing skill by writing a page a day outside of school. And I, on top of that, have the hardest English class that you can take in the school writing that page a day. And then I started to make a flow chart to list out the chapters and what I wanted the overarching ideas to be. And with that, that allowed me to have a rough formula. And every time an event would happen, I have a notepad document on my phone where I would write something down for what I would need, something that's key and really important. I would just write down a few words relating to that so I can expand on it in my book because it's an interesting topic of contention. And was this a process that you picked up from anywhere? I really wish I had a writing teacher or a writing coach. <laughs> I really do. Like my teachers are great for what they do inside of school, but when you ask them to do something outside of school, it can be a little, little dodgy. So just, did you reach out for help? I tried. Yes. Uh-huh. I tried reaching out. It kind of didn't really work too well, but I got some interesting um, advice for just normal writing and how they grade essays. And I took that and applied some of that to my writing. Okay. To just, Map it out. I got to think about this for a second because I didn't learn it from anywhere. I knew that I needed to have a, a, dot, a list of ideas because ideas are just going to come and go as you please. So if I have a list and it's always on me, that's even better. And it fits in my pocket. Yeah. yeah. The flow chart kind of helped organize it too, it sounds like. Yes. Yeah, so after a couple months, I decided to go back on my page a day that I was increasing throughout the months. And then I took that and I reformatted it by 
what was on the flowchart and what made it and what didn't made it. And then I put it inside the book. And I even left a couple of awkward pages there that weren't really made for the book, but they were made on an idea. And that's left in there for a reader to decide what the purpose of it is. Because it looks like it's just random text just plopped in there. But it's all in there for a reason. And that's something that I don't think the self-help genre does enough of right now. They aren't too encrypted about their message. Because sure, I say some messages out loud, but it's more of the messages that I give out loud are um, tickets to a bus. You can go there, you can you can go there, but you won't get to the exact spot you need. But if you want to go get that taxi fare, you got to look into it and you got to see what are, what's really between the lines. Uh, fair enough. Uh, you skipped by it really fast, but you said, I started writing the book. I didn't tell my parents. Did anybody else know you were trying to write a book until it actually came out? They knew that I was writing it, but they didn't, they didn't know that I was like actually writing. Like, you know how kids say things? It's like, yeah, I'm yeah, just doing I'm writing that. a book. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, yeah, that's great. And then three days later, they hear from family that it's out on Amazon. And it's like, you wrote a book? And I'm like, yeah, I told you. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. And it, so part of obviously the self-publishing you know, process includes trying to figure out how to get it up on Amazon. What were some of the processes that you went through to actually learn the formatting and the requirements and so forth? I know that I was watching videos on it slightly ahead of time. And then my school wanted to do an interview on me. And they didn't tell me when the interview was going up. So the moment that I actually got everything sorted, I just stayed up for three all-nighters from when I finished the manuscript from an editor that was a friend to putting it on there. Like three all-nighters to make sure everything was good. And conveniently that day when I finally submitted everything, the interview went live for the, for the school. So I'm grateful that I did that. Whatever called me to do that, I'm grateful for it. But it was a time. Well, and does your creative process need that kind of deadline? No, normally I have a whatever deadline kind of suited to me, mm-hmm. but I just had that really, I had that intuition at the back of my mind that's like, I really need to get this out right now. And what kind of response have you been getting? I've been getting a response from readers um, that it's good. Um, there are a little bit of things that, that aren't in line with the genre, which I can agree on because I purposely made it different. There are slight issues with it. I need to double check on that because when I originally Amazon uh, printed it, I did get a strange formatting error. So that was corrected though. Other than that, really good responses from people of all ages. So I have it in a couple, about five kids of my age, all good responses there, a couple 30 year olds, and they think that it's pretty good. And then I have it to some that are aged around 70, 70, 80 ish, and they think that it's really good and they can all understand it. For anyone less than, I would say, 12, it might be difficult to grasp the concepts and you understand the vocabulary because I more wrote it in a way that would be more Jordan Peterson-like, if you will. So maybe not the simplest thing on top of the complexities within the text itself might make it a little bit difficult, but I hear it's been a good read and that has made me so happy. It is gratifying when you get that kind of feedback. Well, and then, you know, creative people always have something uh, stirring around in their mind as far as what's next. What are you working on now? And what do you think's coming down the pipe? Oh, what's going on now? I mean, I just got accepted into college, so I have that entire system to be doing. Uh I was working on a second book, then marketing came into play because no one's going to do that for me. So I'm working on the second book. I'm working on my degrees. What are you thinking about for the next book? The second book is going to talk a little bit more about, it's going to clear up in case there are any loose ends in my first book. And it's going to go into the 
plot holes of the three perspectives that I have that I haven't gotten from anywhere. So it's thinking on the world from an ant's perspective or a child's perspective, if you will, thinking about the world from an adult's perspective, and then thinking about the world as a global um, entity, as a gestalt consciousness, if you will. I mean, these are pretty deep concepts. Again, somebody would say for a 17-year-old, this is pretty deep thinking. Where do you access that for yourself? I mean, some of them are just shower thoughts. Some mm-hmm. of them you just sit, you just look at the world and you sit back and you think about it. Because most things have a reason, even if you do or don't look at them. And to think about certain reasons onto why things are a specific way is very interesting. Like why the U.S. has three power grids that are sectioned off. One topic right there. It's It's just... The, the point of taking back and not taking ignorance as a way forward is how I mainly get my topics. Mm-hmm. And are there any authors that inspire you that you enjoy reading and sort of want to emulate their style or approach? Um, I do have poetry at the beginning of every chapter of my book because I feel like that connection is also a little bit missing with the um, human emotion with self-help books. So I wanted to do it in that format and I am still perfecting it, but it's one that goes off my own tongue. It can almost be a latent song, if you will, Mm -hmm. that's less redundant. It's interesting you mentioned that. And if you access some of the other authors who have been on my podcast, I think about recently I interviewed Gene S. Jones. He had a great book called Younger and Wiser, but he also had these poems that then he had the backstories to the poems and the you know, life experiences or the thoughts and philosophies that went with it. I'm always interested in hearing the thoughts and processes that go into the book. So thanks for sharing that. I still can't believe it sometimes. Like I just sit here and I just look at it and it's like, I can't believe that it's here. Well, it's very exciting. I wish you all the best. It does sound like uh, you have a lot of ventures going on, certainly just school and being accepted to college. But when that next book is on the way, We're going to follow it and keep us posted on it, okay? I definitely will. Yeah. Well, where where can we go to follow what you're working on and uh, connect with the book? So right now I'm trying to build a reader's list on my website, which I will send you the link so you can post it. It is jonathan.webnote.com where everything's going to be relating to my book, me as a person, and an email list to keep you guys informed on what I'm up to. I have, of course, my Amazon page where you can buy my book. I am also working on trying to get my book into libraries. Mm-hmm. There's also an interesting system to try and get into. Jonathan Nazario has been my guest. Jonathan, I can't thank you enough for the conversation. I've really enjoyed it. It definitely has been worth it. It's kind of weird to talk about almost. Yeah, Talking exactly. about myself in this kind of way because it's, I think back to the events and they didn't seem major. They were just kind of like tasks of life back then because of not even motivation. I just kind of woke up, self-discipline, you get it done. And you move on with life. Not everything needs to be a battle. And the part of your bio I really love is as long as I have a goal, I'm set. I'm open to new ideas, assuming they follow some sort of logic. I think we all can relate to that kind of approach. Well, folks, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation I've been having with Jonathan Nazario. And as he said, definitely check out the Amazon page and the link I put in the show notes so you can find those. He is the author of a book called Society the world in which we live. It's a nice mix of self-help, philosophical world observations. Come back again next time. In our next episode, we'll talk with another leading creative talent from publishing, film, music, medical research, hospitality, so many more fields that we can learn from how people think creatively. 
and get inspired by their experiences, but also learn some from their processes. And all of this is about making connections and creating opportunities because we want to help get more creative work, your creative work, out into the world. I'm Mark Stenson. This has been Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and we'll see you again next time. Bye for now. Unlocking Your World of Creativity with Mark Stinson. Copyright 2021.